0: Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement.
1: I love our podcast so much. Like, I I feel like we don't talk about it enough,
0: but like, this makes me so happy. I look forward to this every single week. I... No matter how tough Monday is, which rarely, like, I cannot tell you the last time I had a bad day at work. No. Like, the like, the last time I left work upset or, like, felt like I could say today was a bad day, I really can't. I don't remember. I have days that are busier. I have days that are sure. slower. But I really don't know that I've ever had, like, a bad day. No. At work.
1: Maybe, like, one bad patient. Yeah. That, like, was mean.
0: But that's it. But that's about it. Yeah. And then, like, I see the next one and they're, like, joyous and happy to be there. So, like, I just truly don't think I've had a bad day at work ever or not that I can recall. And it's delightful. Regardless, no matter how Monday is, I know Tuesday's going to be a good day because we get to just just sit and chat and talk to you guys. Talk to you guys
1: about pelvic floor things. And it's just so wonderful. And
0: I feel like recently we've been seeing a lot of really, really positive things come from this podcast, Yes, which I have loved. And we've been seeing a lot of what we're going to talk about today, barriers to pelvic health. Yeah. We've been seeing a lot of those barriers be broken down because of this podcast. And that has been the most rewarding thing ever. I mean, to have People come in to our clinic because they heard the podcast to hear that there was help out there, to have patients say that yes. they share it with their friends and family who didn't think there was help out there and then to get feedback. I mean, it's just so awesome. Or even to have current patients listen and come in and like regurgitate the information back to us. I'm like, yes. that's four sessions worth of information Literally. that you were already ahead of. Exactly. And we can spend our time now, instead of me spending all this time educating, you've listened to Six hours of content, yep. yep. And yep. you know all the things and can tell me all the things and have been doing all the things. Yes. So that's what's been really, really cool is I feel like in the past really six months we've had mm-hmm. like this huge growth and yeah. I don't know. I love it so it's much. Just awesome. It's just been awesome. It's been awesome. Rewarding. For yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah. I know I had a, I had an eval come in a couple months ago and she was just like, so I listened to all of your episodes. I've been limiting my bladder irritants. I've been drinking more water. I've been ignoring the first urge to go pee and I haven't been going just in Case and these things have really improved. I still feel like I'm struggling with like X, Y, and Z. And I was like, "Great, that's like the easiest fix ever." It's like you've already done all that. You've already done the hard work. You've done the hard part, which is making those behavioral modifications. Now we can jump into the actual muscle and let's get into it. Let's let's go from here. And like you said, it's just like great. That's like three sessions that we don't have to spend, you know, working on some of those things.
0: And just like to hear the areas it's been circulated through. Like I heard like there's groups of students like in different, completely different states. Yeah, different programs than what we did. Um, There's a military base not in this state. Yeah. That There's a military PT who's been circulating this pot, Like all kinds of super crazy things that I would have never, ever, ever dreamed of. Like our listener base has jumped. It's just been really, really awesome. It's and been we so couldn't fun. do this without you guys seriously. Like, it it really fuels us when it we does. when you guys reach it reach out when we hear these things. Cause sometimes it's just it's like me and Rachel talking in a dark room and right? <laughs> like Does anybody care? It feels like it's just
1: <laughs> us hanging out, but we we loved, love it. like just the response that we've gotten. Like never in a million years did we think that this podcast would get to where it has now. Did we think ever think that we would have patients flying in from halfway across the country just to come to Amarillo, Texas to come see us? It's insane. It's and, insane.
0: And then to continue to get like out of state patients. Yeah. Like that has been mind blowing to me. It's yeah. been really, really awesome. And just I feel very fortunate and we take all of that. We take this so serious. Yeah. We take our job serious. We take this podcast serious. It doesn't seem like it at times because we right. have, we have a lot <laughs> of love fun. We have a good time with it, but we do, we do take it very, yeah. very serious. This is our, this is like our baby. It is. This is our,
1: this is our child. This is our baby. Like we love this podcast so much and we are so grateful to Optimal for allowing us to, you know, record on company time and sponsor this podcast and just really foster this environment for us to grow it's been ugh it's been awesome. delightful i feel it's very very fortunate we're so lucky so we'll stop bragging about how cushy
0: our, our job is we really just have the best life ever okay no one if cares if you want to join we are still hiring BTWs. literally literally it's it's an amazing place to work as a new grad or as an established clinician because we've got all kinds of people on staff we've Got anybody and everybody mm-hmm All right. With that being said, we did want to talk about some common barriers we have found that prevent people from getting pelvic floor PT. Mm -hmm. And it's all kinds of things from misconceptions all the way to maybe even like doctors can be a barrier, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Now, I want to preface all of this with saying A lot of our providers here in Amarillo are phenomenal. And so, and I know a lot of them listen to this podcast and share this podcast. We are not talking about you guys. You guys are the solution. You are not the problem. But we're just going to go through and kind of dive in some intrinsic factors, some extrinsic factors, and hopefully debunk some of that. And if you know, if you yourself is looking... To pursue pelvic floor physical therapy, but maybe these are, you've got some of these barriers, or you know someone that you think could benefit, but they've got some barriers. Mm-hmm. This is to help. Yeah. Help some of that and yeah just, again just shed some light on everything
1: yeah because it's it can and I hear this time and time again of well this is pretty new isn't it like this is really like this is and I think pelvic floor in general kind of gets like a rapper kind of being like a wee woo we're gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya and you know breathe in this certain manner and don't get me wrong, we definitely focus on your breathing a ton, but I feel like, and I, and I always answer that question the same way of like the research has been around for a long time. The research has been around for a really, really long time, but it is recently being utilized the way that it needs to be. So it's not necessarily that these concepts are new or that this field is new. It's just that we're finally realizing just how many people this can help. And we're actually using the field and using pelvic therapists the way that they need to be used. And so I think that is like one of the big things that I think a lot of patients are skeptical about is because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know about, the. they don't know what the pelvic floor is. Sometimes the doctor is just like, oh, it's your pelvic floor. I'm going to write you a script for physical therapy and that's it. And they don't give any more information about that. And, you know, other times the doctors are really good about, you know, explaining, okay, this is what the pelvic floor is. This is what it does. This is why I'm going to send you to a physical therapist for it. Um, But I think just kind of that, that lack of communication is a big one.
0: Yeah, I agree. And kind of going hand in hand with that. Something I hear in evals a lot, especially for people so a really common thing we get with some people is the doctor will recommend pelvic floor physical therapy, they won't go, the patient the patient will not show up to their appointment, they'll go back to the doctor still having the same problem and the doctor's like, this is your only option, you will go here, you will do this, I'm not, I'm not doing surgery, I'm not putting you on medication until you go and until you do this. So then they come here to me or Rachel or whoever and they're like, well, I'm here because my doctor sent me and I don't know why like i know kegels so like i've been doing Kegels. like they people think it is only kegels and they're like well if i know how to do a kegel or i've been doing kegels and it's not working pelvic floor physical therapy isn't going to work for Mm -hmm. me that's probably one of the biggest Mm -hmm. ones and unfortunately you've got those pelvic floor therapists and i'm putting air quote yeah, yeah that people they maybe their friend went to one who never did an internal exam they just had him do a bunch of kegels in different positions and were like i don't know why you're not getting better yeah and so they're like well i heard my best friend's cousin's dog's breeder had a bad experience and they just did kegels well i can do kegels at home why do i have to come in here yeah and i'm like it is so much more mm-hmm. so even if you're Which, if you've listened to our episodes, you know overactivity and muscle tension. Mm. Even if your problem is true weakness and you don't have any kind of tightness or upregulation, it is still so much more than Kegels.
1: Absolutely.
0: Not... Never in the history of things have I only given given someone Kegels mm-hmm. in different positions. Never, ever, ever, for any reason. Like, it, there's so much more. Anybody can sit there and do a
1: Kegel. Being able to incorporate that contraction into your day-to-day life and when you actually have leakage or actually have incontinence or actually have urgency or problems like those are the things that that we work on like I would like my patients are always like so I just am I gonna just like lay here and do kegels and I was like do you lay down all day long yeah do you spend your life laying down or just sitting in one position no so we're
0: going out to the gym girlfriend let's go And I think another thing people don't realize is there's a lot more ways to strengthen the pelvic floor other than Kegels. That is not the only way. And I think we've talked about that before. So that is probably the biggest misconception and the biggest barrier that I will hear when people finally get in here. It's like, well, I know Kegels. And I'm like, well, let me tell you all about an overactivity. Let me change your mind. So I think... The other really, really big one is fear, embarrassment, shame, that one is huge. And that one is harder because it's not like it's just a misconception I can clear up. Now, mm-hmm. I did have, and I it wasn't until the second visit that I figured out what was going on, but I had these, this sweet, sweet eval the other day she was just so uncomfortable, like terrified. We had talked through things and I still couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't until the second session when she came in and we we're talking about things and she was like, okay, so is this like, is this when you're going to shock me? And I was like, I'm sorry. What huh? did you just say? And she was like, well, like they told me you were going to like shock me here. Like you're going to shock my pelvic floor. Host. And I was like, oh no, no. no. And she was like, oh man, She was like, I've been terrified for that. Like, like I knew it was coming and I I knew it was going to hurt, but if it got me better and and this, this poor girl has been having a ton of pain. And and I was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know where I missed that. Or, and I was like, that's what I was picking up on. That was that kind of funky vibe. Yeah, I was like, no, no, never for like, I'm not going to shock you in here. And I was like, we do have TENS units. I don't ever use them, but those go, like, on the back or the nuts. I was not- like, I'm not going to put anything internal that's going to shock you. That is, like, I'm not going to electrocute your pelvic floor. Like, that does not happen in here. And I think that comes from, I don't know if it's the those chairs or the, there are some, like, therapies like that we don't do that here we're not going to shock your pelvic floor here we're definitely not going to shock your pelvic floor if you don't want your pelvic floor shocked and Mm -mm. we're not going to shock your pelvic floor Mm -mm. but then just like the other fear of i mean they when you have pain you don't want someone pressing and poking around in that area you don't want that in a knee or a shoulder much less an area that is much more More sensitive personal and sensitive And so I think the biggest thing there is number one, that internal exam is so gentle, but number two, you don't have to do that until Mm -hmm. you're ready or even at all. I know Mm -hmm. I I always tell people, you know, we, if that's not something you're comfortable with, we'll do everything else. Mm -hmm. If you get to a point where you're like, hey, I'd like to make more progress. I think I'm ready. I want to try that. It's always an option, Mm -hmm. but usually I'll ask until I get an answer. I'll be like, okay, what are you thinking? But if someone tells me, I, this is my line. I don't want to do this. I tell them, I'm not going to bring that up again until you decide you want it. You're going to have to ask me if that's something we can do, but just know that's always available to you. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to push it since you've told me, you know, that's, absolutely yeah. something you're not interested in but just know if you decide you want it it's available to you so if that's a fear you have or someone else has don't let that stop you because there's still things we can do
1: absolutely there's- and there's and your physical therapist like that was like one of the biggest things that they like shoved down our throats in PT school was like, you have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. You have to think on your toes. Like in our practicals, our professor, like our three professors would just be sitting there staring at you. Well, two of them would be staring at you. The other one would be actually playing the patient, which was terrifying. And so, and then they'd sit there and they'd ask you, be like, what if she can't do that? What if that's super easy? What are you thinking about discharge plans? But what about this? But what about this? And, and they would literally just ask over and over and over again. Like, and, you know, OK, they're obviously really struggling to do that particular exercise or that particular transfer that you're asking them to do. What are you going to do different? what else could you do? And so our, us as PTs, like our PT brains, we are hardwired to think on our toes and to have a plan A through Z. And so if you come in and you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Great.
0: Let's go to plan Z. As a student, it was super frustrating being impracticals right because you want
1: it black and white yes. you
0: want it to be a yes or a no yes. the answer is a b c or d not all of the above as a clinician i didn't realize that that was some of the most practical experience mm-hmm. i was gonna get yep. because you like i had someone the other day who came in who, they were like i've been throwing up and i'm sick and, and my plan was to go out into the gym and do some plyometrics yeah she was like i've been throwing up i'm sick i feel horrible i just didn't want to cancel she literally threw up in the middle of treatment. We did not oh, do plyometrics. No. <laughs> or some days you were like, you know what? We're going to have this intense workout and people come in with a migraine. I mean, you've yeah. just got to be able to think on your feet. Some days you come in and you were going to do internal and they're like, I don't want to do internal today for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Great. What's your plan? So I tell people, I'm like, Listen there is always a plan B, C, D, E, F, you don't, and I, I tell people I'm going to recommend what I was thinking, mm-hmm. but just know that there's always a backup plan. If I, cause I, whenever people come in at the beginning of the session, I try to lay out what the plan for that session is for mm-hmm. them. Like, Hey, this is what I was thinking yep. today. And then I get some input from them. Now, sometimes I'm like, here's the, here's my plan for today. We're going to go to the gym. We're going to use some weights. We're going to lift. And they're like, Ooh, I don't, Really like, want to do that? I was kind of sore, and I was like, Were you in pain or were you a little bit sore? I was a little bit sore. Okay, we're still gonna we're go still to gonna do that. <laughs> we're still bad. There's like a that. difference between pain and soreness, sweet cheeks. And there's a difference between, I don't want to do that. Like yep. Or, yep. Mm, can we just do some manual? No. No. <laughs> we cannot do all the feel good, happy, no. fun things. But if it's something you truly have a fear about or a nervousness, or I have some people who don't want to do any kind of squatting like someone told me once my doctor told me I can never ever squat because I had my knee replaced because I was trying to have him do a sit to stand and I said how do you sit on the toilet and she was like oh so sometimes oh. it's just a little bit of education yeah. like yeah. this isn't gonna hurt anything like you're fine I'm not gonna mm-hmm. have you super load that and go into a deep squat position right. we're gonna do right. the same functional activity that you've been doing we're just gonna get you stronger so just you do it be better a work different. on form So sometimes education can really, really help ease fear. Another thing that we do that I really like, and our office staff is so good about screening, is a lot of times when people call to schedule that first eval, they're afraid and they have questions. And if our office staff gets a a sense of that, Mm -hmm. they're like, you know what? Let me have a therapist give you a call and just kind of talk you through some things, answer your questions. And so a lot of times when people have that fear and that anxiety, we can call them, we can talk to them. And if even if we're not gonna be the treating therapist or a therapist at the facility they're going to and they feel so much better and then they're more likely to keep that appointment and have a positive experience and that's all we want we want people exactly. to get better and have a positive experience yeah
1: that's that's it and you know like we said like we know that this is new for a lot of people we know that this is not be kind of terrifying like when i first learned about pelvic floor i was like wow that seems real invasive i'm gonna do it anyway when kelly first
0: learned about the pelvic floor <laughs> i said rachel get out of my face <laughs> She said, get out of here with all of your pelvic floor
1: talk. I don't want to hear it. And look at us now.
0: Look at us now. Look
1: at us now. Look at us. Who would have thought? thought. <laughs> and so, like, we get it. Like, yeah. we've been there ourselves. And so, I mean, it's it can definitely be intimidating and like we we totally understand that and so we want to answer any questions that you have like and I know that we say this all the time but seriously write us in write us in ask us questions ask you know Is there anything that I can do to prepare for this visit? Is there anything that I can do? Anything that I need to know? Anything that I need to bring or anything, anything at all? We want you to feel safe and we want you to feel comfortable. Like, like we've said, just walking through the door to that clinic, it takes so much courage and so much trust and Mm -hmm. we are never going to betray
0: that. Yes. I had someone Not even this state, not even seeing a pelvic floor therapist in this state, they reached out to me and they're like, what can I expect? And we have Mm -hmm. that episode that talks about what you can expect Mm -hmm. from your first visit. And I actually sent it to her. And she said, just knowing, just having some knowledge was it just put her mind at ease. And it was even, it was, it was accurate. Mm-hmm. for what she experienced in another state with another therapist which I therapist, thought yeah. which I thought was really really cool. And so sometimes just removing that fear of the unknown walking in there empowered knowing this is what I can expect. I don't have to do anything what I anything I don't want to do can really really help. And I think and it can help your therapist, too, if they know, yeah. like, your fear and your question. Because a lot of times when people are scared, like we've talked about, they shut down. But if you go in there with questions, like, hey, I've heard about this. Why are we doing this? And it can help your therapist figure out, oh, this is what they're nervous about. This is where I need to be heavy on the education side of things and mm-hmm. the consent side of things and everything. So,
1: And it's, it's like, that is... A really big part of it I found this article it's called barriers to pelvic floor physical therapy regarding treatment of high tone pelvic floor dysfunction um, and this was actually published in the female pelvic medicine medicine and reconstructive surgery journal in November of 2017 so pretty recent um, they found a lot of different barriers but one of the main things that they found was that 51.4 percent of uh participants expressed some level of anxiety regarding the pelvic floor physical therapy option. And uh, about almost 10% of participants did not start treatment because of fear of treatment. And so that is, that is a big thing where we as clinicians and not only as physical therapists, I mean, doctors, urologists, gynecologists, as healthcare experts, that is where we need to step it up. That mm-hmm. is where we need to step up our education piece and our bedside manner are like our referring tactics. Uh, Like I've had some patients come in that are just like my doctor scared the ever living daylights out of me that this was like an emergency. I need to get here in here as soon as possible and do all these things because my pelvic floor is going to fall out if I don't or, you know, something like that, where it's just like, okay, let's take, you know, let's maybe explain a little bit. That's why we always spend a good, Amount of time in our first session, just educating the patient uh, and kind of easing their fears, explaining okay, this is muscle, it's literally just a muscle this is what happens when muscle function goes wrong. This is why it's and how it's relating to your symptoms specifically. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And so that like fear and anxiety, we get it. We understand. We will work with you through that. And again, we are never, ever, ever going to make you do something that you do not want to do or that you're not ready
0: for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I mean, a really easy segue is the other huge barrier is just misconceptions, mm-hmm. lack of knowledge, people being told. I mean, I had an eval the other day who really didn't want to be here because she was like, I mean, it's just a part of aging. My, I'm yeah. just, I just have old lady problems. She was like 50. And I was like, number one, you're not old. Yeah. I was like, number two, it's not normal. I know you've heard that. I know you may think that. You may even be told that by your peers or, unfortunately, by a medical professional. But none of it is normal. Incontinence, Mm -hmm. pain. I know we've said this a million times. And we'll continue to say it a million times. We'll continue to say it as long as people come in here and continue to tell me that it's normal. Or that they have heard it's normal or we're told it's normal. I will continue to repeat, it is not normal. We'll die on that hill. And so... I love, uh, she's not a patient of mine anymore, but because she's got better and was discharged, but she would tell literally everyone. They love it. Because it kind of gets to be a joke, I think, between a lot of women, like, oh, and I've even seen it joked about on movies or the radio. Yes. I was listening to the radio, The I'm going to call them out, it was a Kid Craddock morning show, and one of them was talking about oh yeah like i just pee a little when i sneeze or like made a joke about it and i was like that's not normal no, we're not normalizing it. that no not that i want someone to be embarrassed about it i just want people to get help it's not normal it doesn't have to be your normal get help and so the more we can spread that hey that's not normal there's help out there because i get so tired of hearing i've dealt like i had someone the other day 50 years 50 years of incontinence. And pain. 50. And they were like, I had no idea there was any help out there. And that's so sad. Yeah. And now, and there, you know, 50 years ago, there might not have been the resources, but now there is. And yeah. so we need to be telling everyone. And so I love the patients that really take all this to heart. And they let go of the shame and the awkwardness Mm -hmm. and they just shout it from the rooftops. I think that's our best advertising, honestly. It really is. I've had so
1: many patients that are like, I told my hairdresser, (laughs) my daughter, my mom, my dog walker, my gardener, my neighbor. like, And they just tell everybody. And I'm like, amazing. Love it. Fantastic. If you... Are or have been a patient of ours or any pelvic floor physical therapist, whoever sent you there, like whoever wrote you that script or that referral, if you did have one, whether it was a primary care physician, an urgent care doctor, a, you know, urologist, whoever it was, go back to them and tell them all about it. Yes. Because then they're going to start thinking, oh, that worked really really well for them or this patient got better they went to physical therapy for like 6 weeks and their symptoms improved great i'm going to send the next one there that's just more confirmation to them our physicians they're our gatekeepers they're our gatekeepers and they if they don't know how well you're doing or how well it's working, they're not gonna know to continue to send more patients to you. Yes, we send them our notes and we send them like the objective measurements and your progress towards therapeutic goals and things like that. But hearing it from the patient's mouth is like 10 times better because they can see. And like, I've had so many patients who are like, I literally just gushed about you to my doctor. And like, it was amazing. You know, when they come in there and they're just like, I'm fixed. I better I don't have to deal with this anymore and like that freedom that that gives you is again that's gonna cue them be like alright we need to start sending more people here we need to start sending more patients
0: so I have a really good example of this I did a little bit of marketing to some family nurse practitioners and i got one patient from them out of that marketing. That one patient did super great, went back, told them, and then i had another one who had requested to come here from that doctor. Again, patient did great, told them, this nurse practitioner now screens every person they see. They ask, "Do you have incontinence when you blah blah blah?" And so i actually had an eval the other day, and i was like, "Well, what's going on?" She was like, "Well, you know, i've had this normal incontinence." For a while, but I was at my, you know, annual checkup. My doctor asked me about this. And the minute I said, well, yeah, the normal amount, she just said, all right, you're getting a referral to pelvic floor physical therapy. And this patient, it wasn't Love even. Love to hear it. She didn't even bring it up to yeah. the doctor. And this wasn't a gynecologist or a urologist. This was just a, a family practitioner who was like screening for this. And I just was so proud. Can we send her flowers? Literally, Does I, she, she need I cookies? Said, yeah. I was like, I want to send a thank you to this person because. This, this is people who didn't even know that she, this woman didn't know there was help for yeah, this. Didn't and, know that it was, and would have yeah. never brought it up to her doctor because she thought it was normal. And the doctor screened for it or the, the nurse practitioner screened for it and gave her a referral. Beautiful. And now she's doing and fantastic. Now she's doing amazing. And that was, that was really, really huge to me. It just, again, that's, that's where it's important that we as PTs, we talk to our providers, our providers that are willing to listen. It, it just benefits patients and it benefits the medical community and it just does great things. I love it. I love it. So besides,
1: you know, the education and the anxiety, the fear, the perception, that kind of thing, some of the other barriers that were found. And again, this is coming from literally this article barriers to pelvic floor, physical therapy regarding treatment of high tone pelvic floor dysfunction. Some of the other top barriers were perceived lack of utility, which again, we talked about that, uh, financial constraints that was a concern for about 50% of participants Were financial constraints um, most physical therapy clinics accept all insurances and that is not a blanket statement for the entire country I cannot speak to what happens in Alaska but for the most part if you are going to physical therapy they're going to take health insurance um, Us here at Optimal, the only insurance that we do not take is Medicaid, and usually if you do have Medicaid, you also have some sort of supplemental insurance, and that we usually take as well. Um, Most clinics will also have a self-pay option where we don't even bill your insurance, we don't even go through your insurance, you just pay a flat rate of whatever the clinic decides that number is, and
0: we go from there. Our self-pay rate, is one of the most affordable in town. It very much like, is. Like, if not the most affordable. 100%. i am not going to say it on here. If you have questions, call the yeah. clinic. But it's one fee. It's one rate. And it's the same, whether it's an eval, whether mm-hmm. it's a follow-up, whatever. It's the same fee mm-hmm. each time. You're not going to be surprised. Yep. And we offer payment plans. We offer payment plans. Um, we, a lot of other clinics, we don't
1: offer it here, but I know some clinics will do like a bundle where like mm-hmm. you can buy like five treatment sessions for like, you know, a little bit of a discount. Um, I don't think I th- we have that. I think we you have-,
0: have to be a cash-based place. I think so. Place because there's, when you accept insurance, specifically Medicare, there are some constraints with what you yeah. can do with yeah. things like that. And so a lot of places, a lot of PT places, especially in bigger cities are going to a cash pay because mm-hmm. they're tired of dealing with insurance and Which that's is, a whole, that's a whole nother soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of those places offer like bundled rates. Mm-hmm. And so there's a chiropractor in town, Lighthouse Chiropractic, mm-hmm. who we've been talking to, we've done a little bit of collaboration with, yeah. with him and I know he does bundles. Mm-hmm for things like that and he was like oh you guys should do that and then i could tell my and i was like well unfortunately we don't take insurance insurance is hard yeah but our self-pay rate Like I said, it's one of the most affordable in town, Mm -hmm. if not the most affordable. And and we
1: do have payment plans and most, most clinics will, Mm -hmm. most clinics will. So don't let that be a significant barrier to you. Most clinics will work with you with what you're able to do and able to afford. Pelvic floor PT is also a little bit different than your normal physical therapy, right? You're not in here two to three times a week for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You're in here once every couple weeks for 45. And that's again, that's at our clinic. I can't speak to all the other ones, but you know, so we can we can spread those out. Like mm-hmm. I got some patients are like, I can't afford to be here every week. I'm like, great, I'll see you once a once a month, like, and and that's totally fine. And like, we can still make progress. It might feel a little bit slower, but we can still make progress. We can still do what we need to do with. Working with you and your schedule, and so if you bring that up to your therapist, they're going to be able to schedule that with you. And you know, and and travel issues too, travel issues and time constraints. Those are other really big barriers to physical therapy, right? Like we said, we had a patient fly in from Florida. We've had patients come in from Oklahoma, from New Mexico, Arizona, um, Arizona, and so all of these places that are not, you know, not a twenty-minute drive down the street. Like, oh, let me just, like, go run errands on my way home kind of thing. And so, again, we will work with you. Like, we were able, our patient that came in from out of state, you know, we were able to see her, you know, a couple times that week. We were able to fit that in longer. We were able to, you know, work with her. We're able to, we're, we're able. We are able. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever we need to do, we'll do it.
0: The cool thing about pelvic floor, unless it's some, like, specifically something post-op, like, mm-hmm. We are not bound by the like six week healing time where we've mm-hmm. only got so much time to get X amount of range of motion right. or the 12 week or whatever. This isn't a knee replacement. When you've had this problem for 50 years, luckily there's no, I mean, we want to get it fixed as quickly and as efficiently as possible, but there's a couple things that make pelvic floor unique and that we're not bound by those healing times. We're not trying to get specific range of motion back while you're healing so we can spread those visits out. And a ton of it is behavioral modification. Yes. So if you're someone who's able to be very, very self-disciplined, you're going to be able to get by and make a ton of progress, even if you're not in here all the time. Exactly. Now, I have some people who I really need to see only once a month who I see every single week because they just don't have self-discipline. It's like, they've got to come in here because they, I had someone straight up tell me, she was like, if I don't no, I have to answer to you next week. Then the week between I see you seeing you, I just won't do anything. And I'm like, okay, well eventually you are going to have to start doing things on your own. But so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot we can do. And that, is all part of that day one conversation. Mm-hmm. I always it's kind of like the exercises I tell people. This is what I would like. In an ideal world, I would like to see you once a week for x amount of weeks, mm-hmm. every single week, and that that's also going to be the most efficient and quickest way to get these problems better. So people exactly. who are like, "I want it fixed." All right. You got to do this. You got to be compliant. Today. Yep. Yeah. Then I ask them, "Does that work for you?" is that something you can make work? Is that something you're comfortable with? Especially if they're out of town or if they've already expressed financial concerns. Some people say, "Well, I'm driving. I have a 3-hour drive. That's not going to work with me." I have a bunch of new moms who drive in from like, like I have a couple moms that drive over an hour and a half. They're new moms. Yeah. So we coordinate their like well baby visits with their physical therapy days. So it's like, "Hey, I'm going to be in Amarillo on this day. My baby has a doctor's appointment." Great we'll get you on the schedule for that day. So we work with people and most clinics will also work with you.
1: Yeah. We want to, again, this is like, we're here for you. And so we want, we want you to get better. We want you to see improvements. And so we're going to work with you and get that done however we can, however we need to. So I think that, you know, kind of like you were talking about that kind of accountability, that was another big, uh, big barrier that I found to like success with pelvic floor PT was just inadequate self-discipline and this is definitely a conversation that I've had with a lot of patients unfortunately I have discharged patients before that just were completely non-compliant mm-hmm. I'm like listen girlfriend insurance is going to look at this and see that you haven't done your exercises you haven't completed your behavioral modifications and that you're not making progress and so they're not going to pay for it and i really don't want you to get stuck with this big old medical bill at the end of this and so i think that uh think that having that accountability is really important but again we got to have that discipline. We've got to have that compliance and that participation too. So just know that if you come to pelvic floor physical therapy, it's not going to be like a do 10 Kegels every single day and call it good, like call it quits. There's going to be a lot more to it, but adherence to those things that we tell you, like trust us when we say we've seen it firsthand. These are the things that are going to
0: help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had people I've had more than one person quit because I recommended a self-progressive walking program Mm. and they did not, they looked me in the eye and told me they could not walk five minutes consecutive, like five consecutive minutes every day. Okay. And so I've had people quit. So that's one way to do it. Again, there is some, there is some self-discipline in this. 100%. One of the most unfortunate barriers that I've seen that I think we've talked about is physician barriers. So mm-hmm. people are requesting pelvic floor physical therapy from their physician and the physician saying, no, this isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do this pill instead, or like, this is not a surgeon who practices around here, but a patient was told by a surgeon, well, no, I, I did surgery for that and fixed it. You're, you should be better. she was still having the same. I'm just like, okay, well I'm not. So So, unfortunately there's and I'm not talking so I had another patient who wanted to see me during her pregnancy and she had a high risk pregnancy and there was I think she had preeclampsia and some other things and her doctor made the call of I don't feel that it's safe. Like he was I'm sure your PT's great, but Mm -hmm. I don't I don't feel like this is safe. So you're, I want you to wait till after. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking Mm-mm. about when the response is just no, because I don't think it'll help you. Well, what what could it hurt? Yeah. So there are some ways around that, I will say. You can either use a different doctor, like mm-hmm. if it was your urologist that said that, well, have your family practitioner send you or your chiropractor, if you have a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do have chiropractors. And there's like this, I think, battle... Or this idea that there's like this battle. It's like PT or chiropractor. Like you can't do both. Like they, we hate each other. Mm-mm. We don't. Um, and we can actually really, I think, have a really, really symbiotic relationship. Yeah. A there's really, a lot of things that we can do together here. If we will just collaborate. I think collaboration between PTs and chiropractors can really, really help patient improve patient outcomes. And at the end of the day, that's all we both care about is patient outcomes. So we definitely don't hate chiropractors or have problems with chiropractors. And I think they can be a really, really good tool for people, especially, you know, people who are trying to get into physical therapy and having some problems with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a referral source, just the same way our physicians and urologists are. And we need to, we need to work together with them. So yeah.
0: Got any other barriers? Those were the big ones. Those are the big ones that I could think of. Like I said, this, guy, when that girl was afraid I was gonna shock her, I was like, We gotta talk about yeah. this. There's just <gasps> what is going on here. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this does have to be something you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, if it what I think people who either are thinking about therapy and, and they haven't pulled the trigger yet, I like seriously take a look and, and ask yourself why? Like, why am I not doing this? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid it's not going to help? Do you not know enough about it? Are you scared of the internal exam or whatever it is? And once you figure that out, message us and be mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what I'm concerned about. And we are more than happy to talk to you. We're more than Absolutely. happy to talk to anyone. We've, we talk to people. We talk to patients on the phone all the time. We talk to people on Instagram. I don't love – usually – if people message me about like a problem on Instagram, I had one of my boss's patients DM me on Instagram because <laughs> she had her, like through the podcast That's and funny. I was like, for your safety because Instagram is not HIPAA compliant. I was like, I will give you both of our emails and like a phone number. You can reach us at the office and we can talk about we your. We can talk, we about, can it talk about it in a way that is going to be safe and encrypted, and that <laughs> <Exactly>. way some <laughs> random person doesn't get your health information. You're not here out here. But if you have questions That's and you sh- want to talk about it, we, I will send you a work email a number. You yes, can, yeah. You don't have to just be d- DMing us about your urinary incontinence. Like, well, if you want to talk and you want to talk in a safe way, we are more than happy to set that up. Absolutely. So, yeah, those are the big ones I had um, do you have a patient when
1: I do? Yes, I do. So, um, let me get all my thoughts straight. Um, yes, my patient, she is six months postpartum. Um, Yeah, six months postpartum and have been seeing her for a little bit of incontinence, a little bit of pain. Um, mainly some like hip SI joint, little bit of tailbone pain. She's been doing phenomenal. And she even said she was like, This is literally one of like the easiest recoveries that I have yes. ever had. And it's just awesome. That is literally the best feeling in the entire world. And she is doing fantastic. She literally just has very, very minor hip pain at this point and leaks only a little teeny tiny bit when she sneezes, when before it was is like almost everything, so uh, we're doing
0: fantastic. We're
1: doing real good. I love that. We're doing real good. What's yours?
0: I uh, this one's super fun. Um, I had a she's retired retired woman, and she took up pickleball when she retired, which a lot of people. Of it's getting retired, really big in Amarillo. Well, especially p- in people of retirement age, which I love because yes. it's a lightweight racket, a lightweight ball. They're moving. We've got agility. We've got balance. We're getting active. So we've got some cardiovascular yep. benefits. I, I love it. I am such a pickleball. Big in- fan. I big haven't fan. ever played, but I love it. I'm like, yes, all you it's retired fun. people, you start playing pickleball or golf or whatever, and keep playing and keep active and you'll live forever. Anyway, she came to me. She was like, listen, I pee when I play pickleball and I want to keep playing pickleball and I don't want to pee when I play pickleball. And I'm like, say, fair enough, say less. And she's been able, I saw her the other day. She's been able to play pickleball with uh, no incontinence. Beautiful. And, and that's what I like when you're playing a sport and you have to worry I had another a golfer or a tennis player what I've had several of women of retirement age that pick up these hobbies and they're like listen when I hit a hard drive I pee a little well that messes with your golf game or your tennis game or your pickleball game if you're constantly having to worry Mm -hmm. about incontinence and and that's just a really really fun thing to be able to like it's just fun because it's people who are already active who want to be active and I love that population no matter what age it is I don't care if it's a mom that wants to return to running or like I mm-hmm. said my eight I had a golfer that was 85 and she was like listen when I hit a hard drive I pee a little and I'm like I got you I, I just love stuff. stuff like that it's good it's stuff just, it's It really, really feels me.
1: That integration is so much fun of like getting into, you know, like return to sport or um, just participation in sport in general. Like that is some of my favorite stuff to do. Those are some of my favorite exercises to do.
0: I remember with my golfer, I was humbled real quick because we were simulating a golf swing. I don't know that I've ever, I mean, I've hit a golf ball successfully maybe three times in my entire life so I was like listen I was like show me your swing a couple times and I was like okay my swing's not gonna look good so do as I say not as I do but I'm gonna talk you through what to do and remember this is in terms of your pelvic floor while I'm this is not gonna look like a good golf swing okay but the words will help you listen to the words coming out of my mouth and I remember the first couple swings I did she was like Definitely won't be swinging like that. And I was like, no, but do what I told you to do with your pelvic floor, and it'll be fine. And she did, and it was great. And same thing with the pickleball player. So, yeah, I just I love I it. Love stuff like that. So I right. love it. Did something make your overactivity worse? It's peak week for you, so it's there's got to be a week. million things. <laughs> So, yep, so
1: my show is on Saturday of this week. Well, by the time it comes out, it will already be done and over with.
0: And you'll have your pro card knock on wood.
1: Not at this show. Oh. Next one. Not at this one. Oh, the next oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just kidding. That's all good. It's all good. Doing doing a couple of shows this year. So this one is kind of like our warm-up show um, just to kind of get like stage jitters out and everything before we head to Pittsburgh to do the big one. Oh, so, I still
0: thank you. I still think you're going to win. But I hope so.
1: I'm excited. I'm really excited. And so actually this week has actually been really nice. Like the last week was hard last two weeks before the show is like deplete, deplete, deplete. Like you look terrible. First of all, you feel terrible. Uh, and so that was what I was dealing with last week. I can't tell you, like literally had a breakdown with my coach and was just like, I'm not ready. I'm not lean enough. I don't feel ready. Uh, so that was not fun, but that is honestly like that's bodybuilding. And like, if you've ever done a show, you're like, yep, that tracks that. That's about right, um, and I've done shows before, and I still like I tell this to my friends that compete, I tell this to other people, I tell this to myself, but apparently can't get it through my own head. You don't feel ready until literally the day of, and that's okay, that's that's good.
0: You want to peak perfectly like that, so I've been trying to like. Encouraged, but yeah. she knows I like know nothing about. Body. I'm like, no, no you, you look, look so good. And it, she says she looks terrible. I can confirm, never at any point. If you've never seen Rachel, go look at her Instagram. She's never looked ter- terrible a day in her life. Not on
1: Instagram, I haven't. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and I, I
0: remember, coming, I was like, you look so like she'd had a hard week, and I was she's like, she looked fantastic. I could tell she was tired, but she looked great. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I saw, like, you post on social media. Like, you look like you're feeling better. She was like, I did on Instagram. And was I was like, like, yeah, from a completely objective third party, you look great. You're going to do great. So y'all feel free to, like, send her some love because I she, it so she has worked so hard and I I regardless of how you feel about body but like I will never be a bodybuilder that's not <laughs> something I have any interest in at all For sure. however I see the discipline that it has taken and I am so impressed and Thank so you. proud of you and so Don't all of you cry. guys like reach out and send Rachel a little bit of extra love because she's worked really really hard I and appreciate that so I much think, I think it's good I think what you've been doing is a lot of practice, what you preach to the extreme. It, like we talk to our patients about self-discipline and moving their body. And I'm not, I don't think our patients need to be bodybuilders, No, but, but to me, what you're doing is like, I am self-disciplined. Mm-hmm. I am moving my body. And it's like you know, you're taking it to this extreme and you're just asking people to do a little bit of that. And I think some of that is really, really good. So I'm, I've been very proud of you. Thank
1: you. And it's, and it's been, it's been really cool. And part of the reason why I love bodybuilding so much is because it gives me focus. It gives me drive and it gives me a direction. And like, I love lifting weights. Like even if I didn't like compete, I would still be lifting weights the same with the the way that I do. Um, but actually having a goal, I'm very like goal driven and like deadline driven. And so like that really, really helps me and like my mental state And, and bodybuilders will tell you this, like the discipline that you have in the gym and with what you put into your body, that discipline translates over into every aspect of your life every single other aspect of your life. Like it doesn't matter if it's with family, friends, relationships, housework, like those types of things where it's like, okay, I already know that I can do the hard things. Like even though I don't feel like cleaning my kitchen right now on a Sunday night, I know that I'm gonna start my week off better if it's done and over with. So yeah, I'm gonna get up off the couch, stop watching, the homicide hunter lieutenant joe kenda and get up and go you know get get my things done mm-hmm. get get my get my life squared away and so that's just been like one of the things that i love so much about bodybuilding and just this whole process is like i said like that discipline translates over into every aspect of my life and having that self discipline and that motivation and i know it might sound like i'm sitting here like i sound like a robot but like that's where i thrive like i thrive in that structure And, you know, the time off that I do have, I know that like, okay, this is truly time off. Like, this is not because I'm neglecting something. There's not something that's like, you know, when you're sitting on the couch and you're like that mountain of laundry is just like whispering to you. It's it's not because of that. Like, it's like, oh no, I can actually rest. Like I can actually relax. And so, yeah, this week has been a lot better. We're starting the carb up process, um, taking some stress off the body. So cardio is really light. Getting a little bit more food. Um, really just trying to drive nutrients into the muscle without getting too flat, without getting too soft. Um, but it's been it's been a cool process. It's been it's been really really fun this year. Can, so can you guys tell
0: she was raised by a marine? Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> that's awesome yeah what made your overactivity worse oh my gosh I could actually feel that like this is the first time I've like felt my pelvic floor like crawl up and die oh so we went we went to the lake and we have a jet ski and I I mean I don't know anything about jet skis but I know this one goes really fast like this one is speed this one is speed (laughs) I am like everything else in I'm I'm the jet ski princess I don't really like to drive I like to ride and I like a leisurely (laughs) ride the the jet ski has like an eco mode a normal mode and a sport mode okay so I was riding with Carson and I drove for a little bit and I'm a horrible driver because like I want to go fast and then I let off the gas because I get scared that it's going fast. So it's like this <laughs> is horrible when I drive. Oh, you're one of those. I'm one of those. <laughs> it's horrible. But he was driving again and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like let me take it out of eco mode because I always have to put it in eco mode when I drive because I'm a horrible driver. And he was like, wait, what's this sport mode? And I was oh like, <laughs> boy. Oh no. So he discovered oh, no. sport mode and what had been like this leisurely just, you know, <laughs> drive across the lake turns into like he's doing donuts and he's jumping things oh and I'm like holding on for dear life like I am trying to grip the jet ski seat with my pelvic floor like I can feel it I can feel suction yourself to the I jet can ski. feel like actual pelvic floor pain oh my goodness because I don't know if this happened to you but like when I turned 25 and like my prefrontal cortex fully developed, I now have this thing called fear that I didn't have before. And and it's like like I think of the things we used to do at the lake. We would climb up these cliffs and we would jump off. And I would be mad that we had to wear a life jacket. And I would like, can I do a backflip? And Mom's like, don't you dare. And like that's I'm so invincible. Lame. Like I'm gonna do a backflip when mom's not watching, and it's just like all of these things. And now I have fear. I'm like, what if I fall off this jet ski and get a concussion? Or we were jumping off the right. dock, and I'm like, everyone put a life jacket on. Like I am now, the that mom. That is and hilarious. I just, like, that's been, I'm I'm 26 now, but that's been, like, a new experience for me. have this thing called fear. Yeah, I do. I used to just, like, I would climb on anything. I would do anything. I would jump off anything. Heights didn't bother me. Speed didn't bother me. I'd get on a motorcycle. I will not touch a motorcycle No, now. absolutely not. So, I had, like I said, I had this thing called fear. And something about going 46 miles an hour across water. I'm like, huh. I don't love this. Don't love that. Um, And my husband has a thing called testosterone, which (laughs) overrides the fear. So we are not having the same experience. We are not on the same page. And I'm like, like telling like trying to explain it I'm like yeah this is why guys have more spinal cord injury like your testosterone overrides your fear response And yeah. I'm like trying because everyone's like just jump off the two-story dot Callie and I'm like no but I can't and I'm like what if I don't point my toes and I shatter my ankles so it was just like a new like experience yeah. for me yeah with, like with my developed just brain. Like frontal cortex yeah I just can't do the things that I used to like that my brain hilarious. used to be like yeah sure I don't see a problem with that and now it's like danger danger right right <laughs> that is hilarious so, i am dead that is so funny yeah that is so, so that's, funny that's been fun i've been like i said things the whole time like i remember when i told everyone i was like put life jackets on before you jump off the dock and i made my dad like with the depth finder measure how deep it was the legs yeah. like at full capacity and right said, like it's it's safe yeah and he's like yeah no it's like it's fine and carson goes are you serious about the life jacket and he's mr safety and yeah it's like oh yeah, you, you bet. I'm serious. Cause he was up at the top ready right to jump. I was like, no, you're going to, you don't have life insurance. You're going to walk back <laughs> yes. down there and you're going to put a life jacket on. If you're cliff jumping though, if
1: you're jumping from really high, you're not supposed to wear a life jacket cause it can decapitate you. I did not know that. Yep. Oh. Yep.
0: Not, Anics. like, fully,
1: but, like, internally to capitate. Because, like, it's going to pull up yeah, and then you're going straight down. So, we, if you're cliff jumping, no life jackets. We
0: used to cliff jump. And, again, this is what tells, like, this is my brain being developed versus undeveloped. We were cliff jumping in a place. And this lady comes by and she's like, y'all need to stop jumping there. Our friend's son drowned there yesterday. Oh. Which he she- dove off, like, head first. Goodness. After a couple bevvies. Yeah. And we were jumping with life jackets on, and so my mom was like, "We're done. Nobody's jumping." Yeah. So our solution was the next day we're just gonna like go in the boat without mom. We'll go in the <laughs> boat that doesn't have mom in it, and we're gonna go back and we're gonna jump, even though we know, right? Someone just died there. Like again, no, it's fine. Our little brains are under. They're like, no, it's fine. Like we're this just fine. Fun. This is fun. This is different. And I remember like when we would do that like the because we would do it with some of our older they would like throw our shoes down and be like now you have to jump yeah. <laughs> like you can't climb back down because we have to climb up and there'd be so they'd throw our shoes first and be like well now you have to jump Now you have to jump and and we did and we like I specifically remember being not afraid and it was probably double the height of what we jumped probably, off yeah today and now like I said I just I have this thing called fear and it's not fun and I sound like my mother right I'm like I am a, so it's quite bizarre it's been an adjustment for sure and it's for not sure. it's not been good for my pelvic floor i can no, tell you that I feel right that. now i feel that i looked my pelvic wand dead in the eyes last night and i was like i should use this and then i went to sleep <laughs> and then i went to bed so how's that for self discipline oh we're getting there we oh. do as we say not as we do yeah but so that that was it for for me oh that does sound terrible we have this thing called fear now with a mm-hmm. fully developed awful. frontal cortex it's awful, awful, awful. All right, your PSA for this week is find out what your barrier is, whatever and whatever is yeah. holding you back from getting any kind of care or treatment or whatever. Find out it's your like barrier for healthcare in general. Yeah, and find out what your barriers are to not getting help, and find a way to overcome the barrier. That's a good PSA. So that's a good PSA. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. Goodbye. (laughs)